Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Welcome, high-tech sellers. We have a great interview for you today. Jared Martin is a top-performing sales rep that currently works for Zscaler. Jared worked for me in a previous role, so I have firsthand insight into some of the great habits he has implemented to grow his business and really kick butt quarter over quarter. He'll share some insights into how he rose to the top on the inside sales floor, the transition from inside sales to field sales, which I think is really important if you're one of those early career tech sales reps. And then finally, he'll share some mindset behaviors that helped him raise his brand above and beyond just putting up the numbers every quarter. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to leave a five-star review. This really helps us get the podcast out there to more tech salespeople. And by the way, we just launched our newsletter that I'm really excited about. And the newsletter contains sales, career, and investing insight. If you'd like to, if you'd like to sign up, please go to hightechfreedom.com and you'll see the sign-up link there. Enjoy the show. All right, Jared. Hey, great to see you. Thanks for joining me today. No problem, Chris. As always, great catching up. Great talking to you. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah. Well, hey, um, well, let's just jump into it. Uh, I know you pretty well, but you know my audience doesn't. Uh, can you tell me, uh, tell, tell my audience a little bit about your background in tech sales, uh, where you came from, what you're doing? Sure, sure. No problem. So I have been in tech sales now for around uh, eight years. I've uh, been doing most major- majority of the time was at Citrix. Uh, before that, I was at a, a company called Good Technology, uh, selling um, MVM uh, before they were acquired by BlackBerry. Uh, and now I'm currently working as a regional sales manager uh, for the LA region at, at DCF. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, Jared, I was excited to, to connect up with you because we work together, right? I, I, I brought you out to uh, LA. Uh, to take on a field sales role after you had um, proven to be a very successful uh, rep on the inside sales back in Fort Lauderdale. Can you, it'd be great. Can you touch on uh, some of the, you know, the, I guess the insight, the challenges of transitioning from inside sales to outside sales and lessons you learned along the way? Sure. Sure. Uh, First and foremost, thanks for, uh, uh, convincing me uh, and offering me the role because it's uh, it's one of those things that first initially started off as like a, a one and a half two year plan uh, and, and look at me now right still still out here with no with no intention to leave in Southern California. So the roots are getting um, deep there in but, sunny Southern California. Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely it's definitely something that it's it's going to be it's going to be hard to ever leave. Uh, and uh, I, I've definitely grown grown to love the region, grown to love the area. But um, as it relates to kind of making that transition from from the inside to the field, I I think it was something that I initially struggled with, and I had a lot of anxiety around it because I I was great with being on the phone, talking to people, having those general conversations, 
Uh, and it's a lot easier when you're 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 just kind of talking to someone and, and pitching and, and qualifying versus being in the room. I mean, this is this is pre pre Zoom when you didn't have people no way to put their videos on, no one put their cameras on when having when talking to people uh, back in these days, right? Um, and it's one of those things where when I first came out, I remember having so much anxiety around having these in-person meetings and in-person conversations. But you, you slowly start to realize that it's 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 more of a personal aspect that 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 changes when you're in a room with someone having those conversations. And there's a lot more rapport building that goes on versus just doing telesales. Because I feel like at that point you just you're really just kind of diving in, qualifying, figuring out what it is, finding the pain, and then and then selling something to somebody. Whereas once you transition to the field, I mean being in the room is is I, you still start to realize that's only a small part of it. There's there's the lunch afterwards where you, where you have the rapport building. There's the dinner if you're lucky enough. Uh, there's meeting each other, significant others. There's there's kind of the expanded aspect of of the sale that no one really ever tells you about, and no one really ever t- talks about. Uh, and as far as I know, there's really no book to to teach people uh, around that aspect of it. It's really just kind of learning on the fly and 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 diving in with both feet and trying to figure out uh, how to make it work. Yeah, well, I think you did a great job at it, and. Um... There probably is a book out there. You just maybe didn't read it. (laughs) (laughs) Most Uh, likely. But, you you know, you just touched on a few things. And I think from what I've seen, part of what made you or makes you a great rep is you were doing all those extra things to build those connections. I mean, salespeople come and go in any given account. And it takes a lot of extra time to build that relationship, get to know them on an individual level. And you clearly uh, get that. You've put in a lot of time to to make that work, and uh, I'm sure it's paid off for you uh, in many different ways. Yep, yep. And I, it's, it's funny enough that actually um, reminds me of one of the earliest meetings I had when I made the, made the switch out here that um, kind of really made a stick for me. Is I, I I went to a hospital in LA and I do the normal, introduce myself. I'm a new Citrix guy. You know, I'll I'll be here and kind of handling you. Uh, for for the foreseeable future, uh, and this this guy brings me into his office, you know, and he says, "You you're the new the new Citrix guy." He's like, let me, "Let me just show you something," and he shows me this corkboard of cards from from Citrix and Cisco reps that he has that he has had over the years. He's worked at this hospital for twenty years, and it's just a corkboard full of a bunch of cards from different Citrix and Cisco reps. And he just told me that, "Listen, I, I'm I'll work, I'll give you the opportunity, but." You got to prove that you're going to be here to kind of really gain my trust, and that was that was very telling. It made me realize that this role for a lot of people is very transient. You know, where they they a lot of reps sometimes you'll see they'll they'll come in for a year, year and a half, make make plan, and then just jump to someplace else. Um, and it and it made me realize you kind of have to if you're planning on being in the role for an extended amount of time, you really got to take a step back and always try to focus on selling them the newest widgets uh, in that moment. Yeah, well, I tell you, it definitely gets easier. I know personally, I was in a role where I was a sales rep in a kind of a tier two market. Uh, I live in Portland. And uh, after being in the market in that same role for, I don't know, seven years, eight years, maybe seven years before I went into the uh, first line manager role, you know, you're going back in and you're selling customers their second refresh, their third refresh. I mean, you've been with them so long, uh, the job gets significantly easier. Uh, because you've got those relationships, you know the accounts, and I do think that uh, there's a lot of reps out there that are jumping and they're looking to move quickly, and they don't realize how the value 
of that effort that, you, that has been put in over three to five years in a territory. And, you know, granted, you know, the company has to have good products and be taking care of you. If all of that is there, you know, the value of investing in those relationships and nurturing them, man, that's uh, it's so incredibly valuable. Yep, absolutely. Hey, let me ask you. So, uh, you know, when you were on uh, an inside sales rep, you were considered a top performer, which is why your manager reached out directly to me and said, you got to hire this guy. What were you doing that uh, helped you rise to the top uh, in terms of being an inside rep or a great inside rep? Um, I, I think it really came down to trying to figure out use cases for people and really focusing on what it was that what it was that they were really trying to solve for. I, I, at the time when you're when you're on the floor with a bunch of people wheeling, dealing, selling stuff. I mean, there was reps from the, the networking team to to regular commercial to SMB um, and it's and it's and everybody's just kind of trying to go out and close deals but when you're when you're really trying to take a step back and, and figure out like what is it that you're trying to solve for that that I think then allows you to to make the bigger deal and and slow the sales process down. I think where 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 a lot of reps struggle and it's and it's kind of that balancing act between uh, trying to hit the number to appease your immediate management as well as trying to think of the long-term plan of ensuring that, you know, you're not necessarily trying to rush to get a deal done. Um, and it's, you're able to kind of take your time with the deal and take your time with the sales process. So the customer will listen, like it's the, the more relaxed you're able to seem with them and make sure you understand what their timeline is and work backward from there. Uh, it, it makes it a whole lot easier to close the larger deal once you're able to to figure out what the true problem is you're trying to solve versus somebody reaching out, especially in the inside sales role, somebody reaching out, hey, I need a couple more boxes. I need a couple more or more more, more of this, right? That's easy to, to sell somebody that, right? Anybody can sell somebody that because that's essentially you're just an order taker at that point. Um, but once you're able to slow it down a little bit and ask more questions around what, why are you buying this, that I think allows you to start getting more credibility with the customer and, and getting more of their trust to be able to provide a, a better solution for them versus just selling them whatever it is that they need. So slow down to go big or slow down to go fast. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, and you know, that is very mature sales thinking, you know, from an early career inside sales rep, right? It takes some reps some time to figure that out. And clearly you figured that out early, um, which probably had a lot to do with why you rose to the top. So, um, so Jared, you were, uh, you were a division one football player and, uh, you played football in high school. Uh, how did the high school and collegiate sports, how did that experience influence how you work today? Um, it was, it was for a couple of reasons. I think, um, a big part of it was the competitiveness. Number one, number two, when you think of some of the other guys that you, that you, that you played with, that's, you know, you see where they, they, the direction that they ended up heading, you, you re, you realize that, you know, not everyone's going to go to the NFL. Like I, I realized that I wasn't going to live out my, my dream of playing on Sundays, probably within the first few weeks of, uh, of playing college football, uh, being at Pitt and, um, you watching guys like Darrell Rivas on the field, uh, and you realize, you know, maybe I'm, I was pretty good in high school, you know, but, but this guy's, uh, obviously at a very different level. Um, but I, I think the biggest part of what I got from there is the competitiveness. Um, I, I, I hate losing anything. I hate losing pipeline build competitions. I hate, I hate not finishing number one uh, when it comes to close one every quarter. I hate not having the most, most meetings. You know, it's, it's really multifaceted um, in terms of, I think, how that really helped me 
kind of have that additional drive to to succeed in in, in sales. I mean, heck, my and it's I think a big part of why I I really like sales in general is that you you really get out of it as much as you put into it. You know, so if you're willing to put time and effort and work and the grind and, and have the processes built up for yourself, I think you're really able to have some like additional success just by putting in the effort and the job. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean going out and, and, and banging the phone a hundred times. You know, there's obviously a, a, a smarter way to do it. But if you're putting in the time and effort, I, I'm a firm believer that you will see the returns on, on what you're doing. Amen to that. I mean, it's like a, you know, part of the role is you have to have that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you could sit back and collect a paycheck and you're probably not going to last very long in the role and you're not going to make a lot of money. But if those of people that want to get creative and hustle and constantly looking at creative ways to solve new problems, those reps will be successful every single year. Um, they'll have a great career. Yeah, I totally agree. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. What about the consistency side of it? That's one thing that always impressed me was your consistency. How, how does how does consistency play a role in your your overall success and how you like to work? Yeah, it's it's. I think it goes back to the comments I was making around you know putting the effort into trying to build pipeline and have being number one in like pipeline competitions because there is there is no better solution to your problems than having a large pipeline. Uh, in the in the role of sales, you know, there's I think everybody's probably been in that been in that role that that spot where you know you have a large deal or 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 a very large deal that you have that's forecasted for the quarter, you know, something happens, who knows what, uh, but it ends up falling out, it ends up dropping, you know. Um, I think being able to have multiple deals as backfill that you're working the entire time and kind of thinking not necessarily just thinking about the quarter that you're working, but the rolling 90 of the deals that you're going to be, that you're dealing with, you know? Um, I think that's a, a big factor in, in, in the consistency that I was able to have is really ensuring that I always had a, a, a large pipeline to be able to, to backfill. And that kind of goes back into the earlier comment we were talking about before of still having that relationship with the customer, you know, because if you're in the role for a little bit longer, you know, that, and you're, and you've dealt, You've dealt with this customer for a while, for multiple years. You you kind of have that relationship with them. You know, you're able. To, you've earned the right to be able to ask them a quarter earlier, or maybe a little bit earlier. Like, and, and just kind of, I've, I've always thought if you're genuine with people, they'll just they'll be genuine with you. You know, as much as I would like to say that it, it's worked out a hundred percent of the time of reaching out to a customer a quarter early, asking them to buy. That's that's not always how it works. Most times, it's not. It doesn't happen that way, but you at least have the ability to ask that question if you have the additional pipeline and if you have that relationship with the customer. And sometimes they help you out. Um, and that's, that's I think, the, the thing that's played the most into my consistency. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, having all of that extra pipeline makes forecasting so much more enjoyable, right? Because you can call the deals that are going to get you to the number. You know, maybe a deal doesn't work out, right? There's things that are out of our control. But when you have that pipeline, you can still deliver on the number. And, you know, that, that, uh, that carries a lot of weight, you know, when it comes to, you know, working with your leadership, your manager, your manager's manager, and so on. So I had this um, director that I worked with. Nobody ever laughs at this joke when I retell it, but he used to always say this in every QBR. He said, you can never have too much hair, be too skinny, or have too much pipeline. <laughs> so. it, is, it, is, it, is, it is the truth. And it's, it's, I think back to some of the one-on-ones we used to have. Uh, where, you know, it's like you, you, you started, you started figuring, figuring me out there pretty early on of me throwing up these numbers for forecast. And then at the same time, you're looking at my pipeline and you're asking me about these deals and you're like, well, Jared, like this, this forecast does not align with anything that you have just told me about this, about these deals. And I was like, oh, that's, 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 I, I will hit at least that. And you're like, okay, that's, uh, I'm adding additional 50 K to that, yeah. uh, that number that you just rolled up to me. Uh, and, and it, and it would work out. And I think that's, that's part of the balance uh, with, from the manager side of it. Of, of understanding, you know, that reps are, get, reps are going to sandbag, you know, reps, reps aren't necessarily like being tied to a larger number, even if they see it, even if they see a path to it, you know, it's uh, better to under promise and over deliver. Well, and I think in all seriousness that, uh, you know, a, a good thing for rep to do, you know, assuming that there's a good comfort and level of trust with their manager, right, is, is to communicate how they're constructing their forecast, right? You know, you would, I would inspect it and you would tell me, and I'm looking at going, yeah, he's probably going to get both of those deals or all three of those deals. And so in my mind, I'm thinking you're going higher, but it's not like you were sandbagging and hiding it. You walk me through how you're constructing it. You explain the reasoning behind it. And, uh, you know, most importantly, you were able to deliver on it. And I, I think that is uh, that level of clarity and communication with your leader. Once again, uh, that'll pay dividends down the road. And hopefully, you know, you got a leader that, that you can communicate that to. If you don't, eh, you know, that's a whole nother challenge. Well, let me ask you, uh, switching topics a little bit. Um, So kind of down to the tactics of doing your job, right? When you're out there getting ready for a sales call, making a sales call, you know, is there one or two things that uh, are just foundational to how you like to work or how, what you do that you feel is just critical to um, success on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah. So as it relates to right before a call, I mean, I think there's some there's some basic stuff that that we all should should be doing, right? It's it's excuse me, it's the stuff that kind of allows you to build that rapport of of figuring out, you know, who these people are that you're talking to, doing research on them, and I don't necessarily mean just kind of like doing the research on the company, doing looking at 10k reports, you know. The 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 big thing for me, and it's and it's you realize, especially if you're working in a a small geographical area like Los Angeles that a lot of these people have worked in a lot of different companies and there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap, you know, that where you can talk about, uh, they, we see that they worked at XYZ company a couple of years ago. You know, I've done some business with them. Oh, do you know so-and-so who still works there? Oh yeah. He's a great guy. Oh, I hate that guy or something like that. You know, just kind of have that little icebreaker in the beginning that, that helps you build, um, some of that, some of that rapport. Um, but it kind of outside of, of that, it's, it's it's really trying to figure out, you know, what is it from a perspective of like, what is it that I, I see? Like, as I think where the, the longer you're in a role, you're kind of able to start figuring out like, all right, what is it that I'm really trying to offer them after doing some research beforehand? Like, I, I have a general idea as I'm going into calls and going into conversations, what I want to talk about. 
but there's that, there's that same track of discovery questions that I really try to figure out as I'm talking, as I'm having these conversations with people. I'm really trying to figure out their business case of why that they're having this conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Of but that that kind of guides that those questions and guides the the solution that I'm trying to offer them. So based on your research, you're coming up with uh, maybe public research, knowing what they have from us, what they don't have from whatever company you're working for. You're coming up with some ideas of potentially. Uh, a problem or a solution that it, it, at a minimum you want to go explore that avenue of of, of a discussion yeah. track and see if you can ferret something out. You know, I think some people call it the undiscovered need. Uh, maybe bring yeah. even bringing it yeah. up for I, them. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, the because it's I think it's if there's no need or no pain, you know that you're that you're able. But if you're not able to find that, I mean, you don't really have a deal. You know, even if it's even if it's a a, a customer who has your product and they need to add more. There's a pain there that's that's driving them to add more, um, and this this may not that this may not kind of be along the same vein. But one of the things that you that you that you mentioned to me very early, and I know I said this to you multiple times when I when I when I first started working with you, is is getting into the flow of the revenue. You know, uh, once you, you first explained that to me, and I was I kind of like I, I understood it, but the more the more I started working and, and closing deals and, and figuring stuff out. It's, it made more and more sense of of trying to find the financial impact of how this how, how the solution that we're offering them like impacts the company uh, because the, the pain is one aspect of the pain is easy of trying to figure out and discovering what the pain is for the customer but understanding how that pain drives revenue or impacts a loss of revenue that is how you're really able to start kind of honing in to the higher level of people, the higher level of executive within an organization that, that kind of, that, that, that's how you gain their respect. You know, not just talk, not just going in and talking about, Oh, you know, we're, we're going to solve this problem for you. You know, mm-hmm. this, this one, this one, this one thing that you're trying to add, but make, driving it more towards the revenue aspect there. That's where I kind of really uh, started honing in on. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it depends what kind of technology you're selling. Sometimes the technology you're selling is front and center. It's part of how that company is going to make money. And so that, you know, that you know, marries nicely, but then there's other technology. It's more backend, maybe it's more infrastructure. How do you get that into the flow of how the customer makes money, right? The more you can tie that in, you know, the better off you're going to be, right? That's, that's one thing I learned early on is when I was selling basically pipes, routers, switches, you know, things that uh, were just considered a cost center. You know, that's you got to you got to work to tie that into how the business makes money. Um, yeah, good stuff. Hey, Jared, let me ask you. So, um, you know, you recently um, moved companies, and you know, you've you've talked a little bit about your career over a couple companies before. When you're within a company, how important is it for you to build your personal brand within that company? I I think it's crucial uh, because I feel like. But this, but this, I think, also goes into the, the thought of me, me not necessarily being someone who likes to to jump around. I feel like if you're a, if you're one of those sales reps who who's works a place year and a half, you go to the next place. This, these comments probably aren't for you because you're. I don't think there's as much a concern around around brand building at that point. Um, my thought process is that it's it's a it's a crucial it's the, it's the number two point of building your brand behind hitting your number. And when I when I, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean just you know, just going out and closing as many deals as possible. It's I think it's the little things of of trying to make the other people succeed around you. As I, I and I, I think it goes probably back to my my earlier experience in in sports is that 
you know, I feel like a lot of times on the sales side, like we, we really focus on our individual number, you know? Um, but I've, I've, I've kind of always thought like it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a team effort, you know, like if, if we're as a team able to make you look good as, as our manager, you're able to hit your number. My life is easier because, you know, there's not as much expectation on what we're doing. Uh, number one, but number two, you know, it makes the whole team and the whole region look good because we're constantly exceeding plan. We're constantly hitting our number. But um, I think the the big aspect of the brand is that, you know, you also get the ability that if you don't have, you know, stellar quarters back to back, but you do have a good brand, that, that, that gives you additional leeway. Uh, and then the, and 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 then and another way to kind of look at it as well is you know my my previous boss before uh, working for you uh, reached out and and was was able to, to to talk about me you know and be able to say, be able to say you're probably able to call other people uh, at Citrix and ask ask them about me what they knew about me and the the better your brand is the the better recommendations that you're going to get with people. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I mean, at the end of the day, we're salespeople, and sometimes it can feel like you're a hired gun, right? It's, you've got to go produce, you know, if you have a couple down quarters, eh, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but it's, you know, that, that building that brand for the long term. sometimes I can buy you a little bit, a little bit of time between a down quarter. Um, and then on the more on the positive view of it, it can really be what excels and propels your career, uh, wherever you're at, right. You can go crush the numbers, but you've seen people that have crushed their numbers and there's continuing to do the same thing, but you know, it's what you do with your brand around that, they can take you to new heights and really maybe even elite levels within the organization. And, and by the way, I mean, that can lead to all kinds of good stuff. Um, better raises, right? When a when the manager gets his pool of money to go hand out raises and all things being equal, if one guy has done a bunch of extra stuff to enhance his brand, you know, things like you were talking about, building the other people around you and making them better, well, you know, that's going to be in the, that's going to be in his or her mind. If they're handing out RSUs. Um, that's somebody they're going to want to retain. Those RSUs are going to go to that person. And so this stuff really matters. It's more than just hitting your number. You got to go do that. But then if you really want to, if you really want to crush it and really maximize your W2, I think building that, uh, that brand, in my humble opinion, building that brand will get you there. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Well, so Jared, um, let me ask you about, uh, I mean, this is a constantly changing environment, selling high tech, uh, what do you do to invest in yourself and continue to you know, raise your game and get better at what you do? Um, I think what I do the most is talk to other sales groups. I love picking other people's brains in terms of of, of what they're doing and how they're succeeding at the job. Um, I, I I still one of the conversations that I that I still think back to all the time is when we were at all hands talking to Roberto Neri asking him how he sells these, these gigantic boxes and he, the way he broke it down and talked to us about it and, and, and how detailed he was about it and how thoughtful he was about it too, was, was huge and eye opening to me or talking to, to Peter Lee, who, who, who covered the, 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 the gigantic accounts, you know, and having conversations with him and listening to his thought process. And what, what I love about that is how, especially talk to, to folks like that, is is how much it makes me realize that I there's like there's still a whole there's still a long way for me to go right there's still a whole lot for me to learn there's always somebody better you know there's always a, bit, a bigger fish in the pond you know and it's and talking to folks like that and talking to other people even even if they're SDRs you know what are you what are you doing to get meetings like what are you doing 
to, to be successful. Like there's, there's SDRs that I've talked to that they, they regularly pop up in terms of getting new meetings with white space accounts. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick their brain. You know, they, they may not have, they may not know the minutiae around closing a million dollar deal, but they absolutely know how to get in front of a customer and get a meeting. You know, if, if, if I can get more at bats by having a 15 minute conversation with this guy, why, why wouldn't I, you know? So I think it's the biggest thing that I do is, is talk to other people who do the shop and get their perspective on stuff. Yeah. All right. So if, for the audience is listening out there, listen to what Jared just said. If you think you're good, there's always somebody better. And, you know, you're going to be the average of the five people that you hang out with. And the more you can surround yourself with people that are way beyond what you're doing, you're going to accelerate and elevate your knowledge and your ability. And, you know, you've got to make that a lifetime habit. So that is, that is some fantastic advice right there, Jared. And I I agree, you know, just today, I was actually reaching out to our digital sales team because I really believe how we sell is fundamentally changing because, as people go back to work, as we can go out and have lunch and have dinner and meet with people, uh, that's all great. But guess what? Some of our customers don't no longer live in our territory. And so you can't yeah. do that. And so how we sell is, is changed. And so I was reaching out to our digital sales team to pick their brain a little bit about, you know, how they're doing some of their digital marketing, email campaigns and things like that. Because uh, I, I think there's some great lessons we can learn from them as field reps. So, uh, yeah, great advice. Wait, Jared, Hey, you know, um, a couple more questions. So what do you, uh, what do you do to give back? Um, is there anything that uh, you're passionate about from a charitable perspective? So not as much from a charitable perspective, but what I do like to do is, um, I, I do tend to talk to other like minority salespeople that, that are starting off and kind of letting them pick my brain and kind of giving them advice. Of, of, of what it, what it was like for me starting out, uh, kind of doing technology sales and, and giving them the best kind of feedback I can give of, of the career trajectory I had, uh, as, as well as, as what allowed me to do that and, and kind of give, answer any questions that they may have. I think that's, that's one thing I, I tend to do, uh, pretty often, um, and reach out to people on LinkedIn. People talk to me on LinkedIn pretty regularly around this stuff, you know, and it's, it's um it's something that I I definitely like to do of of talking to to younger people who are trying to get in this space of uh, and, and trying to answer their questions for them. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's uh, I mean that just says a lot about you as an individual. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest thing that's and it's and it's interesting. I, it's it may be part of my generation wanting that instant gratification of of going out and immediately jumping in and finding success and being a field rep. You know, it's it's that like asking asking the question of of how did I get to this point in the career, my career, and I I always say patience and and hard work. It may not be it's it's never the answer anybody wants to hear of <laughs> of, of of being of being patient, you know, but in trying to kind of work the process. But that's that's literally the best advice I can give. Of take take your chances when they approach you, when they when they come up and when they arise. But otherwise, you know, be be steady, be consistent, uh, be helpful, be be open to working with others, um, and your opportunity will come if you're continuing to do stuff like that. Yeah, that's great stuff. So, Jared, the uh, the name of the podcast is High Tech Freedom, and you know the theme behind that is you know we are all in high tech sales. We're working hard. You know, we're in this business because you can make a lot of money if you put in the effort and work hard and and are smart about how you approach it. But you know, we're not all doing this because we want to be you know high tech salespeople forever, right? And at some point, you want to retire, and there's something you might be passionate about. You know, what is your goal? What do you want to do when you grow up? 
So what I want to do when I grow up is travel the world. Uh, when, if, you're, if I say grow up to be done, done with sales at that point, I think um, my, my in-laws are, are my heroes. At this point, they, they traveled Europe three to four months out of the year, maybe a little bit more. And they are they're living life. Uh, and I am insanely jealous of them because it's, uh, it seems like something that's, that's, very, that's very far away of being able to do that. Uh, but that's, that's kind of my goal of being able to have the freedom to, to drop everything here in the States and just be like, you know what? I feel like spending a month in Madrid uh, and uh, just kind of hanging out there for a little bit. Yeah. Well, what are you doing about that goal? Uh, so as, as, as much as I, I, I am, I am trying to heed your advice, uh, and, and get more into real estate, get more into some of that commercial stuff. Uh, but I feel like I'm, I am a product of my generation right now and, and, and taking a lot of, of I, I, I got into the, 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 not the Bitcoin, Bitcoin craze of, of a few years ago, but, um, uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the term right now. Um, crypto, there oh, crypto, go. yeah. Uh, I got into I got into crypto a few years ago when when uh, I was on the inside sales team and that was actually that that has treated me very well uh, oh, over the past few years. Yeah, it, it, it has treated me very well. I'm still trying to I'm I'm trying to I'm in, on the fence right now of what to do with some of those funds right now living in in, in Southern California. Uh, but uh, I'm happy that I listened to all those maniacs on the inside sales floor uh, who were who were for I, I wasn't it wasn't this crazy, but some folks were. We're forgoing the, the employee stock purchase and putting and putting it all into Bitcoin, putting it all into Ripple. Uh, wow. I, I wish I would have been that aggressive back then. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of um, you know, you've got to you got to be smart, right? Make a lot of money, find ways to invest it, find ways to build that passive income so that you can continue to get that paycheck down the road after you've uh, you've left your W two job and, and start to enjoy some of those freedoms. So whatever the plan is. You have to be intentional. You have to start early and you have to keep grinding away and working at it. And uh, that will also pay off big time down the road. Jared, I really appreciate the time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share or any other thoughts you'd like to pass along? No, no other thoughts. Um, it was, it was a great time talking to you, Chris. Um, I've always enjoyed our conversations. Uh, I've, I, I, I regularly tell people you're probably um, one of it's, 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 it's between you and someone else who I've learned the most from um, in, in this job. Um, in terms of, of where I am today, I think you're a big part of it. And I, I do appreciate you inviting me on here today uh, and uh, having this conversation. Uh, well, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you, Jared. I, I really do appreciate that. If somebody would like to get in touch with you, how can they reach out to you? Sure. Uh, best way to do it would be reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, Jared Martin uh, on LinkedIn, J-A-R-E-D-M-A-R-T-I-N. Uh, that's the, the best way to probably get in contact with me. Uh, strike up a conversation there um, and I'm more than happy to talk to you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Jared. No problem, Chris. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.